0: Hey, let me encourage you if you would to go ahead and grab your Bible and join me in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 10 through 13 this morning. And we've been walking through a study of Ephesians throughout most of the year here at Shades. So if you're new to Shades, hey, this is what we've been walking through all year. We're coming to the the very end of this book. In fact, next Sunday will be our final Sunday in Ephesians as we wrap up this time in this, this great book. But we're just thankful for the opportunity to walk verse by verse through the Word of God and see what is laid before us. And as you're you're turning there, as you're finding your place in the scripture for this morning, I do want to say I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Hopefully you got the opportunity to to see some family, take a deep breath, eat some some good food. I hope you enjoyed Rivalry Weekend as much as I enjoyed Rivalry Weekend. It was incredible. And if, if Rivalry Weekend was not good for you, you can just be super spiritual and remind everyone, hey, it's just a game. It doesn't really matter. Um, And I, I understand that. But uh, today we're gonna be in Ephesians 6. So let's, let's get down into it. We're gonna be in verse 10 through 13. I'd like to invite you, if you would, to stand with me as we read this scripture and get started in this message. And the reason I ask you to stand, again, if you're new to shades, this is something we do each week when we gather for worship. We stand at the reading of God's word so that we all can be reminded the word of God is the foundation that the people of God stand upon. It's the solid rock, unchanging, immovable foundation. The word of God lays before us what God says is right and good and true. And so we stand to be reminded, this is our foundation. This is the gift that the Lord has given us so that we can know who he is and what he has done for us. Ephesians 6, begin verse 10, says this, finally, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This is the word of the Lord. As we begin to talk about spiritual warfare and what that means, we've been given the word of God, the firm foundation to show us what it means to stand firm. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak into our lives as we consider this scripture this morning. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus and to now turn our attention to the Holy Scripture, to your word. And I pray, Lord, that your word would come to life in us today. That your word would read us and reveal in us what we need to see. You know what we need, Lord God. And so I pray that you'd show us what you know we need to see, that we'd be receptive and open to the word that you lay before us, that we would not be the same as a result of what you say. Lord, it is my prayer that you would have your way among us as you speak through your word, have your way among us all. And if there are any among us today or or joining online who who have not yet believed in the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for them specifically, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that the good news of the gospel would be so clear and so beautiful that they would respond in faith. We lay that before you as we turn our attention to your word. Use this in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Before I get into the message this morning, if you'll indulge me just for a moment as a father. um, This morning in our time of singing together was extra special for me. My son Brody, many of y'all know Brody. He was up here as part of our worship team. And I just want to say Brody to you, Man, it is a privilege to get to worship while you're leading. And it's a privilege to see God's hand at work in your life. And as your dad, I'm just so proud of you. So grateful for what God's doing in you. And I love you, man. Um, Hey, when when we step into this scripture today, it's a challenging text. Because what it does is it reveals something to each and every one of us that we often completely ignore. It reveals something that we can very often just dismiss or maybe say, oh, that's just some mystical thing that we don't really need to pay attention to. What I'm talking about is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is hard to to really understand. It's something we don't always see. It's something quite often that we're just not even aware of. This reality that there's, there's a spiritual battle that is, that is taking place in our lives every single day. And the word of God speaks to this like, like it's a reality that, that we need to be aware of. But the reality is when we bring up spiritual warfare, it may cause you to go, oh, come on. I mean, really? The, the battle of good and evil, I mean, is that really a thing? The, the, the battle in the heavenlies, is that really a thing? The battle in my own life, is that really a thing? And, and so some people just immediately want to dismiss this altogether and go, oh, that's mysticism, that, that can't be real. I mean, that, this, this can't be a thing. And then some people hear about spiritual warfare and they get, they get overly consumed and even afraid of, 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 of demons lurking around every corner. And they've seen one too many Hollywood horror movies and they they just get so terrified uh, of the attack uh, of some spiritual reality and they get paralyzed by fear. So I want to say this right up front because it's so important as we enter into a conversation on spiritual warfare and the reality of a spiritual battle that the scripture speaks to very, very clearly clearly we enter into this conversation not from a place of fear not from a place of dismissal we enter into this conversation if you are a follower of Jesus Christ from a place of victory we enter into this conversation knowing that the battle has already been won we just sang about that that the cross puts the enemy to shame And we get to stand firm in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he has done. The battle's already been won. But the daily reality of this spiritual warfare, it continues in our life. And there is an enemy who knows the end of the story and knows that he has ultimately been defeated that wants to do everything he can in the time he has left to destroy and devour, to steal and to kill and to tear down what God is seeking to build up in your life and in mind, this is a very real battle. It's not a battle to be afraid or terrified of. It's a battle to be aware of. So that we can do exactly what the scripture has just laid before us in Ephesians 6.10. We can stand firm, not in our strength, but in the strength of his might. So, so the bad news in this conversation, if there is bad news is that if you go into this battle to try and fight it in your own strength, you don't have a chance. That's the bad news. You can't win a spiritual battle using your strength, using your resources, using flesh and blood. But if you go into this battle in the strength of His might in the strength of the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross and through the power of his resurrection, you can go into this battle in confidence because of what God has done for you and because of what God has given to you. So I say that right up front because I know a conversation around spiritual warfare, it can hit people a lot of different ways. And if you've been dismissive of this, I, I pray that today and, and next week as we walk through the, this text and talk about spiritual warfare, it would be eye-opening for you. If you've been fearful in this battle, I pray that this text would be eye-opening for you so that you would see there can be confidence in this battle, not because of who we are, but because of who we belong to if we are in Christ and what he has done For us, This text is meant to show us the reality of what is at play around us and in our lives every single day so that we will stand firm in the finished work of Christ. I want to read a quote to you that's been helpful to me in this regard. It's from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. This is from a sermon that was preached many, many, many years ago. And this is what he said. If you fail... To do this, He's talking about put on the armor of God and stand firm. If you fail to do this, you are defeated. You are already finished before you start. The armor of God is the only way. It's important to hear. The armor of God is the only way. We make no apology for saying so. We are not at all afraid of this charge of narrow-mindedness. When you know that to take a certain course is the only cure for a disease, that it is specific, that it cures it to a certainty, and that nothing else can do so, you do not regard it as being narrow-minded to use that remedy and to refuse to waste time with other remedies. That is not being narrow-minded, it is just being sensible and sane and rational, So another way you could say this is to to ignore the spiritual battle or to refuse to take up the armor of God to stand firm in the strength of his mind is insane and it is irrational. Because the only way to engage in a spiritual battle is to do so with spiritual resources that are only given to us in the strength of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so the scripture here is of utmost importance because it's showing us of this reality that is in our lives every single day, this spiritual warfare reality. And it's showing us the only way to engage in this battle, to stand firm in the strength of his might putting on the armor of god we have been given the power and the authority to resist the enemy of god look back at what the scripture says ephesians 6:10 through 11 finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil Now I want to talk about that last little statement of verse 11 for just a moment. Schemes of the devil. What what do you think about, what comes to mind when someone mentions the devil? Do you think about some goofy Halloween costume? A little caricature with horns and a tail and a a pitchfork? Do you think about something that you've seen in some movie somewhere? What, What do you think about when you think of The devil, because according to the scripture, what you should think about when you think about the devil is, is the one who is absolutely ruthless, who is seductive, who is cunning, who is crafty, who knows your weakness, who is patient. And who is seeking to destroy? The enemy of God is a schemer, constantly scheming to do whatever he can to tear apart your life and what God is seeking to build in you. His schemes take on many different forms. He schemes through envy. He schemes through lust. He schemes through division. He schemes through self-righteousness. He schemes through selfishness. He schemes through anger. The enemy of God schemes in many different ways, and he knows what schemes will be most effective in your life, and he's constantly scheming to seek to destroy. The word of God gives us insight into the foundation of his schemings and what all of his schemes flow out of. I want to ask you to turn your attention real quickly to the gospel of John. John chapter 8. Jesus actually gives us insight into who our enemy is. He, he lays out for us what the, what the devil is really like. And the way he does this is pretty interesting. He's actually in a conversation with some religious leaders who are, who are scheming against him. There's some religious leaders that are, that are trying to bring down Jesus. They're, they're trying to scheme against him in such a way that they can pick apart his ministry, tear apart his influence, and, and try to discredit him in front of the people who are listening to Jesus. And so listen to how Jesus responds to their schemes. He says, you are of your father, the devil. This is John eight forty four, 44. And your will is to do your father's desires. And then listen to this. He gives us great insight here into who the, the enemy is, the devil. He, he was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus says, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is who the devil is. This is who the enemy of God is. He is a liar. The truth is not in him. There's no truth in him. And he is the father of lies. This is amazing because Jesus is saying every lie that has ever been told flows out of the desire of the enemy of God. His desire is to get you and me to believe lies. And so what that means is every struggle that you've ever wrestled with, every struggle that I've ever had in my life, it can be traced back to a lie. You struggle with this area, this temptation, this addiction, this, this, this thing that constantly trips you up, you, you struggle with this thing relationally and the, the way you engage in relationships, you, you struggle with this thing and what you believe about yourself, whatever that struggle is, you will find, if you trace it back, you will find a lie that is connected to that struggle because that's what the enemy wants for your life. He wants you to believe a lie so that then you will be vulnerable and susceptible to temptation, so that then you will not follow God's design for your life or God's best for your life, so that then you will be torn down and potentially even destroyed. He is the father of lies. Everything he says flows out of a lie. And here's what's important to understand. To be the father of lies, to be the master of lies, he must be an expert on the truth. The devil knows the truth. And the devil seeks seeks to twist and manipulate and pervert the truth just enough that it still might appear to be true. That's where it's seductive. That's where it's tempting. He seeks to manipulate the truth in such a way that we'll go, oh, that actually sounds pretty good. That seems better than what God said. I think I like that more than what God has laid out. So I'm going to grab a hold of of this little apple that you're offering, this beautiful fruit that you're laying before me, and I'm just going to go ahead and take a bite because that seems better than the truth. The enemy of God, the great deceiver, the father of lies, twists and manipulates The truth seeking to destroy what God desires for your life. And please hear this. And I've seen this play out more and more the older I've gotten and the longer I've been in ministry. The enemy of God, the devil, the father of lies, he's patient. He's patient, and he loves, he loves to patiently wait for the times and the seasons in our life when we're most vulnerable, but also where the fall of our life will be most destructive. He loves to plant little lies that become a part of our story and a part of who we are. So that somewhere down the road, he can pounce on that lie that he's built and tear us to the ground. So the word of God says to you and to I, you need to know that there is a real enemy. He's scheming. He's seeking to twist the truth and feed you lies so that he can tear down what God is building in your life. So put on the armor of God and know the truth. Because the greatest defense against a lie is to know the truth. This is what the Word of God makes very clear. Ephesians 6:11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. How do you stand against the lie? You know the truth. Please hear me. I'm not just talking about coming to church from time to time or showing up on Sunday mornings so that you can hear a sermon, that's a good thing to do. We need to gather together. We need to dive into the word of God together. Corporate worship is a beautiful gift and the word of God tells us to do not neglect the gathering together of the saints. There's all kinds of beautiful work that God does in us when we gather together. But if the only time you're hearing the word of God or turning to the word of God is when we gather together, you're not going to really know the truth. You're going to struggle to know the truth. Think about it this way. There's over 31,000 verses in the Bible. 31,000. Over the last year or so, in the sermons I've preached here at Shades Mountain, on average, I, 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 as a preacher, I cover about five to six verses a Sunday in a sermon. So that means if, if we're going to cover the whole Bible together as a church, it's going to take us about 120 years to do that. All right, now I'm planning to be here a long time. I don't think I'm going to make it 120 years as your pastor. Some of y'all I know are definitely not going to make it. Um, No, none of us are going to make it 120 years. I mean, come on, it was a joke, right? And I know you could say, well, if the pastor would just speed up a little bit and cover more ground, we could get there quicker. But still, I mean, cut that in half. I mean, 6 years, that's a lot of time to cover. And that's just if we got a little snapshot of, of all that's in the Scripture And I love what Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says about the word of God. We're gonna put this on the screen. Look at this. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable. His ways. That means every time you turn to the word of God, there is more wisdom, there is more depth, there are more riches for you to gather every time you open the word of God. A lifetime of studying the word of God, and there's still more depth and riches to see. And yet, so often, we leave it on the shelf. So often we wait for that one time where we're going to gather with some other people to even, even open the word of God. My point is this. If, if you're going to be prepared for the schemes of the devil on Monday, you need to spend time in the word of God on Monday. If you're going to be prepared for the schemes of the devil on Tuesday, you need to turn to the truth on Tuesday. Tuesday. If you're gonna be ready for the attack of the enemy on Wednesday, you need to be grounded in the truth on Wednesday, not just when we gather on Sunday, not just when we come together as a church. We need to be in the word of God. It is our armor, it is our preparation. It is what reminds us of what is right and good and true so that we're ready for whatever lies the enemy may bring our way. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be in the Word of God consistently. The greatest defense against a liar is to know the truth. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Since 1961, in the Kennedy administration, something called a presidential daily briefing has been put on the desk of the president of the United States. Of America. The presidential daily briefing is delivered to the president first thing every morning for every day that that president is in office. It's a top secret document. It's a document that has been compiled by the Director of National Intelligence, and it contains the most pertinent security information that has been gathered by the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and the Department of Defense. It's all compiled into one document so that the president can very quickly look and see where are their threats, where is the enemy, what's going on that needs to be paid attention to so that we as a country Can be prepared and can be ready for whatever may be lurking or scheming or trying to destroy. This briefing allows the president to know what is most important in security decisions. And this briefing is something that gives him the information that he needs to make very difficult decisions. Now, here's the reality. The president can completely ignore the briefing if he wants to. He's the president. He doesn't have to read it. He can throw it in the paper shredder. He can leave it stacked on his desk with all the other briefings. But he'd be a fool to ignore it. Because as we know, there are very real enemies out there. As we know, there are very real security threats out there. And the president should, first thing in the morning, pay attention to the truth of what's going on around him in the world so that he can be prepared to make good, wise decisions in the potential face of an enemy or a threat. Now here's why I bring that up. Because I believe that every single day we've been invited to a daily briefing. You and I. God in his love and his grace towards us has given us this beautiful word. Oh, the depth of riches and wisdom that he has brought before us and laid at our fingertips so that we can know the truth, so that we can know how to be prepared for the schemes of the enemy that we may face on this day. And we would be a fool to ignore What the Lord is laying before us and what he is inviting us to consider so that we can be prepared to stand firm. A daily briefing reminds us of what is true. A daily briefing in the word of God with the Lord reminds us he is in control A daily briefing in the word of God with the Lord reminds us that the battle has already been won. It reminds us that there is armor that we can put on for this day. It reminds us of what matters most so that we can stand firm in the finished work of Christ and the truth of his word regardless of what we may face on this day. Today, we need to be in the word of God. And the gift we have in our day and time in this culture is that there are more biblical resources at our fingertips than any time in the history of the world. There's a thousand different Bible reading plans that you can grab a hold of today. You can even set a timer on your phone, a reminder, it'll pop up for you to see it. I mean, it's there. It's there. Are we truly standing on the truth? The greatest defense against a liar is to know the truth. We need to be in the word of God. We go back to Ephesians 6 verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I love that the Apostle Paul here in this verse gets very specific, reminding us of of what the real battle is all about. And this is, to me, it's the call to fight the right fight. If we're going to stand firm, we need to know the truth, and we need to fight the right fight. Why? Because many times we're fighting the wrong fight. We're fighting against flesh and blood many times. That's what we do. We say, oh, that person is the problem. Oh, what he did is the issue. Oh, what they did is the issue. And we get into this flesh and blood kind of fight and we forget that there's something so much bigger at play and so much bigger at stake. And the reality here is Paul is saying, look, there's a spiritual battle going on. And every tension, every, every argument, every frustration, every difficulty you face, it has a spiritual component to it. So when you're in the midst of that battle, remember the spiritual reality and stop and pray. And go back to the truth of God's word. And remember what's really going on here. Fight the right fight. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. When about a year and a half or so ago, maybe a couple years ago, we finally broke down as a family and we got a PlayStation, PS4. We didn't have any gaming operating systems in our house. You know, we were trying to stay against that. Just nothing that we were like really, really against, but just, hey, our kids, they didn't need anything else like that distracting them. And so we, we had stand strong on that. And then finally we broke down and the kids got a PS4. And so they were all fired up about it, especially the boys. And when, when they first got it, it was only sports games that we have because that, that's just the way to go. We, we, we again broke down recently. They now have Fortnite. So, I mean, here I am just telling you, compromise, compromise, compromise. That's what we're doing. Um, this is welcome to parenting, right? So um, all sports games was all they had at first. And I, I would come home from work from time to time and, and Brody or Everett or, or one of the boys would be in the kitchen. They'd be like, Dad, hey, I, I threw five touchdown passes today. I'm like what are you talking about did you was there a game that i missed i mean I don't, and they're talking about the playstation and i'm like no you didn't throw any touchdown passes that's not real life it's fake that's not a real football game. Like the only way to play a real football game is to go outside and, and work up a sweat and move your legs and like run into some people and, and bow up a little bit and then throw the ball down the field and somebody can, a real person catches it in their hands and they cross the goal line and people celebrate. That's what happens when you throw a test. That's not a video game. Video games are not real life. They get so frustrated at me. I'm like, hey, I just need to remind you, that's not real life. If you're going to have that game system in our house, you got to know it's not real life. Let's keep in perspective what's real and what's not. And it's as if the word of God is saying to us, hey, make sure you're paying attention to what's real, to what matters most. Make sure you're fighting the right fight. You're standing firm in the real battle because we get so distracted and we get so easily taken off course and we get so easily caught up in the things that are flesh and blood. And scripture is saying, hey, that's not where, it's not where the real fight is. No, the fight, it's actually, it's actually against the rulers and the authorities and the the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you cannot stand strong in this kind of fight, in a spiritual battle, if you're fighting with flesh and blood. So make sure you're fighting the right fight. Make sure you know the truth because the Word of God actually lifts up your eyes to the things that matters, matter most. The word of God actually lifts up your eyes to say, hey, there, there's more at play than just what you see in front of you. The word of God actually lifts up our eyes to the things that will last beyond this life. The word of God actually lifts up our eyes to, to the finished work of Christ and what has already been done. Make sure you know the truth and you fight the right fight. And then verse 13, Ephesians 6, our final verse in Ephesians 6 for today says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, it's interesting in these four verses that we have considered this morning, over and over again, there is a word that appears. It's the word stand. Stand. Stand firm in the strength of his might. Stand firm in the midst of this battle. Withstand the evil day. Stand firm. Having done all, stand firm. Over and over again, as we, as we engage with the reality of spiritual warfare through the lens of Ephesians chapter 6, the word stand appears. Why does that word appear? Well, it's showing us how important the foundation underneath our feet truly is. The Word of God is showing us if you are going to stand firm, you must stand firm on a sure foundation. You must stand firm on an immovable foundation. You must stand firm on the Word of God. Know the truth, fight the right fight, stand firm on the word of God. This is a reminder again, it's not about your strength or mine. It's not about finding a way to be victorious in this battle on our own, no. The victory is ours in the finished work of Christ. So stand in what has already been done and stand in what has already been declared and make sure your feet are on a firm foundation. I love the way Jesus says this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter seven, Jesus makes this statement about the foundation we build our lives upon. He says this, Matthew 7:24, everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Wise man or fool? What's the foundation you're standing upon? Wise man or fool? How are you standing against the schemes of the devil? Wise man or fool? Is your life built upon what God says is right and good and true? or is your life built upon the shifting sands of the culture around you and the things of this world what is the foundation of your life for there is an enemy of god that is seeking to bring about a great fall in your life as he schemes when you stand firm because of what you are standing upon? Or as he schemes, will you be wide open and vulnerable and susceptible to a great fall? What is underneath your feet? Let me pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have laid before us in your word on this day. And as we consider the reality of a spiritual battle and spiritual warfare, it is at times overwhelming, it is at times challenging to even wrestle with. For many, this is new ground, new territory. So, Father, I pray, I pray that we would see what you desire for us to see. As your word has laid before us the reality of this battle, Lord, I pray that, that we would be a people, even more so, that would be committed with great resolve to know the truth of your word. So that we would be a people who fight the right fight and stand on the firm foundation of the finished work of Jesus Christ and the beautiful truth of your word laid before us. Father, we recognize that there are many who may be in the midst of a very difficult battle right now. Maybe there are many among us who have believed certain lies and have fallen prey to the schemes of the enemy and their life has gotten off course or things have happened that they never would have planned or they've done things that they honestly can't even believe that they've done and, and they're scrambling, trying to figure out what to do now. And I pray, Lord God, that they would see that there can be victory. There can be victory because of what Christ has done. I pray, Lord God, that they would see that there is grace and there is mercy in the finished work of Jesus Christ that that calls us out of the schemes of a liar and, and plants us firmly on the truth. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be a people who stand firmly on that truth, that we would receive what you say That we would believe with with fully devoted hearts what you say. That we would be a people who have confidence as your children because of what you have done. Lord, we thank you for, for showing us the reality of this battle and we thank you for showing us The beautiful gift of your strength to sustain us, to hold us, to carry us, and to invite us to stand firm in the midst of this battle because of what you have done. Father, as we close our time, I just pray for those who have who have been wrestling with their faith or perhaps trying to determine what they truly believe. I, I pray for those who have never. Received the good news of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ that says you can be forgiven of your sin by faith. You can be forgiven of your sin by trusting in the Savior and what Jesus has done at the cross. I pray for anyone among us who has yet to receive that good news that today would be the day They would say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to, to build my life on the firm foundation of who you are and what you have done. I'm ready to be forgiven of my sin. I'm ready, Lord God, to be a new creation as a child of God because of what Christ has done. I receive that gift. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the beautiful good news of the gospel, and we thank you for the reminder of the power of your word that has been given to us, that we can stand firm each day for your glory as we seek to live by faith. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.